Okay, listen. I should attach every trigger warning available onto this episode. I'm going to talk rawly about mental health uh, because I've learned a lot of my mental health journey has to do with my journey through the worlds of theater. I have not had a good week. Uh, Again, mind the trigger warning because I'm going in after this point. I have wanted, I don't know, I've wanted to kill myself since September of 2021 pretty severely uh pretty severely i talked about on the last episode how uh losing the big theater directing jobs i had lined up for myself because of covid really took a toll at that same time i was living in new york city with a complete a complete sociopath i've never met someone like it uh Found out he was one of my old friends from Disney. I found out later that he had abused his ex-wife that I was friends with physically and that he had abused his live-in girlfriend right in the room fucking next to me and then lied about it to get sympathy. Anyway, uh, that person left the apartment with like four days notice in June of 2020, just pieced out, just fucked off leaving me with all the utilities and the God. I, I forget how much the rent was. It was like 2600 And I had already blown through all my money at this point, just trying to keep my head above water during the pandemic. And I remember thinking, like, this has to be rock bottom, right? Like, this has to be, this has to be the pits. And then uh, I got in a relationship. And it was beautiful. And it only blew up because of me. I didn't get many bones thrown to me as a kid from my family. I am the only kid from the first marriage in my mom and my stepdad's union. Uh, I watched all my younger brothers and sisters start out their journey with cars and iPhones MacBooks. I didn't start out on that same par uh, because it because you know last names matter sometimes, you know. So I'm in New York City. I don't. I don't. I, this is 2020. I feel like I don't have anywhere to go. I feel like I'm trapped. I definitely can't go home in my head because that is a place that a lot of abuse happened mentally. While I was growing up. So home isn't really an option. Uh, What am I going to do? And I get in this beautiful relationship. With somebody in the upstate of New York. And we moved in together like instantly. Which was dumb. And I should have known better. I should have known better. But I was desperate. And I was scared. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt. Trapped. And I felt like I didn't have anywhere else to go but the streets. And uh, throughout that entire relationship, I was shown nothing but love. But what I now know, what I now know was, you know, I'm going to say what I now know is autistic masking. Like, 
probably 20 dozen times during this because that has learning about masking and autism and how autistic people mask has helped me understand more about myself and my actions uh, and, and why I have always felt like I was watching myself. You know what I mean? Like watching myself and then later, like, 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 like I was watching a film all day and then I would lay in bed and go, why did, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why are you acting that way? Why are you cold? Why are you being distant? Why can't you accept love? And then that relationship started to get very bad because of money, uh, because of, because of money. And, uh, I found out later after the relationship ended, I had a certain mental health disorder that I don't feel like it's my, uh, I don't feel like I have to tell you that. I don't feel like I have to tell you any of this, but I don't feel like I have to expose diagnoses to anybody. That's for me and my doctors, right? And getting that diagnosis was great. But on the other hand, completely devastating because it was something I don't want to say I never want to say mental health is out of my out of somebody's control uh, because I hate when people use that as an excuse for like Kanye West being a shithead when they're like he is mentally ill. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But getting diagnosed explained a lot and made me hurt more because it was like I didn't create these sets of mentally ill circumstances. I didn't ask to be born into this. But here I am and I just have it and I have to have to deal with it for the duration of being alive. And since that relationship, the relationship blew up, completely my fault, uh, was homeless for a little bit in New York City, which whew, those were not the best weeks, but you know, in, in some ways they really weren't the worst weeks. I, I, beautiful, my, I'm getting choked up because the people, there are people who have helped me out financially during this process and have really saved me. Like, and I don't use that in a small way. They've saved my life. And it wasn't my, a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a family member. It was, it, it, it was a Katie and a Skylar and a Tirza and a Sam. And a lot of other people that I didn't even know were paying attention to me being alive, who noticed something was wrong and helped me. Uh, this, the team of... I, I was homeless when Circle Jerk was playing off-Broadway. Uh, the team from Circle Jerk, I, I'm pretty sure they created a ticket so that I could go after finding out my circumstances. And that... Like, I know you're not supposed to cry at Circle Jerk. <laughs> it's a very funny show. But the entire time, I, I just was welling up because I couldn't believe anybody would want to be so nice to such a wretched person as I am. And, you know, you can't be homeless in New York City 
forever. It wears off very quickly. So I didn't have much of a choice but to move back home. Uh, which, it hasn't been great. I feel very trapped. I don't have access to a car purely because, uh, I shouldn't say that, because of who my stepdad is in relation to me. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have not touched another human in six months. I haven't talked to any of my friends on the phone, which is probably my fault. I haven't seen anyone. I haven't seen any theater. I tried to, but just can't because of the circumstances. Started watching Twin Peaks The Return again last night. Had a complete fucking mental breakdown at Agent Cooper being in the Red Room. God, it's so stupid. What a stupid thing to cry. What a stupid thing to cry about the Black Lodge and Twin Peaks. I don't know. I understood it. I understood the deep sadness of it for some reason. The the sadness so deep that you can't be sad about it because it's so permeating. If you let yourself be sad about a sadness, that permeating it will eat you alive and not in a sexy vor way. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about during this time of my life how theater has played a role in mental health. And I think the reason I'm so I'm so fucking mad at the theater. I cuz I don't know if you guys have noticed but I'm very mad at the theater. <laughs> is for a few reasons. One because it is so exorbitantly expensive, I can't take part in what I love in any way. Have you guys wondered why I've never mentioned the Death of a Salesman revival? Because I want to see that revival more than anything in the world. It's my favorite work of literature, and I know I'm not going to be able to. I have ideas that burst me to make theater that I cannot do because of the amount of money it takes to make theater. So the reason, one of the reasons I'm very pissed off at theater all the time is because it's an art form that only the rich and the privileged can participate in. Rich, privileged, or lucky. You have to be one of those things to really participate fully in the American theater scene. So of course that makes me hate it a little bit. But another reason is because I have seen, been witness to, and been victim of a lot of abuse in the theater. And I, I've i talked about this a little bit without very many details, but I have never just fucking gone for it. I, and I don't, give a, I don't give a fuck what these rat-ass motherfuckers do to me. They can't do anything to me. Because, number one, because I'm telling the truth. And number two, because there's nothing to take from me. So when I was growing up, uh, I loved theater. I thought theater was fun and rainbows and sparkles. You know what I mean? Like every kid doing community theater does. I thought I was special because of it. And I liked that because I did not feel special at school and I did not feel special at home. And the theater made me feel special and valid and validated. So I go to a summer – no, fuck it. I'm naming them. I go to a summer program at the Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities in South Carolina in the eighth grade. 
And this is a place that has, well, really, they've only given two names to the American theater, and that's Bettina Miller and Danielle Brooks from Orange is the New Black and, uh, and uh, The Color Purple on Broadway. Uh, which, by the way, I, 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 it's not my place to say I wish Danielle would come out, but I, I, the teachers gleefully told us horror stories that they put that person through. Which brings me to my experience there. I started at a two-week over-the-summer summer camp after my ninth grade year to study acting. Very, I, I did not know, you know. To me, acting is singing and dancing and making people happy. It's some Muppet movie shit, right? Uh, well, I get there and I realize acting to these people is, is cardio. <laughs> Is cardio and brutality and like breaking down other people so that you can build them up in a teacher's image. And I like in my bones hated that shit. But at the same time, I was around a group of actors that were my age and I didn't feel ostracized and I felt part of a group. So I pushed it down. And one of the first huge moments of trauma I have with the American theater <laughs> with theater is uh, I'm how old are you? I'm like 15. If it's between ninth and 10th grade, I'm like 15. I'm at this fucking summer program. I'm a child. I'm being taught by professional teachers, air quotes, whose only credits are warehouse theater in Greenville, South Carolina and Mad Cow Theater in Orlando, which I know now is nothing. It's bullshit. It's nothing. You are not qualified to be some godlike teacher with your credits at Mad Cow Theater, Daniel. <laughs> so they instantly recognized uh, the teachers, the staff, that I hated my body and was insecure about my body. And they gave me a monologue from Biloxi Blues where a character is put on latrine duty and uh, while he's on latrine duty, he gets beat up by some other Marines and uh, hate fills inside of him. And it was I didn't understand how to do dramatic work. I was doing Ensemble of Sounds of Music and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, before that. He made me strip down to, like, my boxers and perform the scene in front of the class almost naked because he, he and the he here is Daniel Murray, who is still the head of the Governor's School and the Arts of the Arts and Humanities in South Carolina's acting program. Daniel Murray made me do that. And that sparked, at that moment, a hatred of acting that I still haven't been able to shake. And God, if I wanted to. It has made me hate anybody in power over me at the theater. It's made me distrust everyone, which is stupid. Now that I'm saying it out loud, but let's start being the rare theater people that tell the fucking truth. But what was the other option in my head but to go to their residential program? I can't stay in this 
shitty public high school in bumfuck nowhere, South Carolina, where every day I'm getting threatened to get the shit beat out of me for wearing skinny jeans. And these people are like me, I kept thinking. Now I know these people are like me was aimed towards the governor's school for the arts and humanities people. Now I know they're nothing like me. So, I busted my ass to get into their residential program, and like six males out of the entire state got to go. And I got it. Because I'm good, or I was good, before they made me hate it. And during, I only I only was at uh, that program until Christmas of the first, like halfway through one year, because I had a mental fucking breakdown. A completely mental autistic meltdown. I now recognize it as a autistic meltdown. Because we were being made to do shit like, I think, private moment with an instructor named Daniel Day. And Daniel Day was an acting instructor. We were 16, if that. Daniel Day blacked out all the curtains and the little slit, uh, the little, not all the curtains, he blacked out all the windows in the acting room. He even put a piece of black fabric through that little slit of window every classroom door has. And all of these 16-year-olds performed private moment, which is an exercise that should be reserved for adult actors as it encourages the actors to do things they would only do in private. And this man, this adult man, Daniel Day, encouraged these children to take it farther than far. I remember leading up to it, him like pleading with us to take it as far as possible. And a bunch of fucking children took off their fucking clothes and, 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 and relived acts of their trauma, some of them, I, which I will not out because it's not my fucking place. For a high school acting class, we were children. And again, the administration saw me as an easy target because that and other things like that were fracturing my fucking brain. They were breaking me. I could. I, I. I. do not remember most of my time there because it was full of stuff like that. Adults abusing children. A lot of acting programs in colleges are are adult professional losers, losers who know that they're fucking losers. Nobodies who did not make it. And they let out that anger as abuse to their students. We all know that story. So I had a complete mental fucking breakdown right before Christmas. And I left the governor's school. It was a good fucking decision. It hurt. But it was a good decision. Never have told that story. Never have told what happened. Because I was scared something was going to happen to me. 
I was scared these fucktard losers would call the Mad Cow Theater and I'd be blacklisted from acting in America. It all seemed that way. They really painted themselves that way. They told us over and over again that they had the most students ever to get into Juilliard's acting program and really painted it like we did not have a chance to become performers unless we submitted to their degradation. And I truly hope I have enough of an audience now so that this can hit the right fucking ears. Because a lot of those fuckheads are still working at that school in the same position. The guy who made us do Private Moment is not. For all I fucking know, that's still in the curriculum. I walked by the school yesterday. Hadn't in years. Hadn't in years. It's in downtown Greenville. And for some reason, I felt myself getting quieter and tenser. And I felt my, my forehead sweating. I felt myself walking a little bit too fast. And I realized, holy fuck, you're still holding trauma from this place, dog. So I leave the governor's school. Go back to doing community theater, which, quite fucking frankly, I liked more. I was a child. I wanted to sing Jesus Christ Superstar. I didn't want to perform Epson. <laughs> community the- I've told this story before, so I'll be brief. Community Theater, Florence, South Carolina. First person to ever give me a lead role in, the mu- in a musical was me playing the cat in the hat in Seussical. Later found out that director was grossly sexually abusing children. Joey Webster. Fuck you. Contacted the theater with the proof. Victims as well. I'll be fucked if that theater didn't cast him with another underage child in one of their first productions back from COVID. Nothing was done about it. uh, Something was only done about it because I, I lost my fucking shit when I saw he had joined that cast. Publicly. That made me hate the theater a little bit more. So, I'll start my own theater, I said to myself. Things aren't being done the way that I see fit. I'll do it. Without realizing, you know, it costs tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a theater. I said I will start a theater for $900. It didn't go well. <laughs> I uh, I was processing a lot at the time. This is I've jumped to 2017. I should jump back a little bit and fill in that gap. Susan's Gold the Musical took place in 2010. And then I did Leaf Coney Bear and Spelling Bee and a couple of other, sh- The Foreigner, Ellard and Foreigner. I had a run of playing mentally disabled 12-year-olds won awards for it, too. So my life is kind of stagnating, right? Uh, 
I go to SETC, which is this big theater unified, but I've only had sex with one person at this point in my life, and I get to SETC, and there are people who want to have sex with me who are relatively attractive, so I don't go to my callbacks like I should. I fuck. And you know, I don't really... (laughs) I don't really regret that one. I thought I was going to regret that as I said it out loud. I don't really regret that one. I don't regret that one. I'd much rather eat <laughs> much rather eat someone out <laughs> than pretend I want to do Shakespeare in Kentucky. <laughs> oh. SETC bust. Uh, my fault. Because uh, I still, I still, I, I, I at this point still think I'm not going to get cast anyway because the governor's school disapproved of me years ago. So I, uh, I apply and get into, uh, get into, I apply and get hired at Disney World. Great. They, uh, spoke this huge, huge, huge game when I got hired <laughs> that, uh, I was going to be part-time, but I could pick up as many shifts as I wanted in a week. And I could work up to 70 hours a week if I wanted to. Righteous. Get an apartment that was $800 a month. God, what I'd give for those to still exist. And I couldn't even pay it then. I couldn't even pay it then. So I, I start working my ass off at Disney. I get my first month's paycheck. Or get my first week's paycheck, rather. Thinking I was going to be something crazy. And it's like... and I said fuck I was not provided a car by my family when I left even though they could have done that easily I had a moped and you don't know depression until you can't pay your rent working for a cartoon mouse driving a moped wearing a polyester pirates costume in the rain in Orlando, Florida during during New Year's Eve evening. You have not walked through hell unless you've experienced it. <laughs> and uh D- Disney I I never I've never said this out loud. I don't think I ever wanted to leave Disney. I felt like I had to leave Disney. I was angry that the company was giving their CEO a $400 million bonus while me and my friends were living in abject poverty. I was angry that the management team were a bunch of shit shuckers. Shit shuckers. The worst. Some of them, some of the most icky people I've ever encountered in my life, which is saying something. Uh, and I couldn't pay my bills. And I keep thinking if just one of those things hadn't been true, like I could have put up with the other two. If I could have just paid my bills, fine, I could have put up with executive pay and management shittiness. If management weren't shitty, I could have put up with not being able to pay my bills and, and, uh, and executive pay. You know what I mean? But I've got to leave Disney. Because I physically cannot afford to live here. I physically cannot afford to survive working for Mickmouse. And, you know, I all, people always ask me for advice working at Disney, and it's have rich parents. None of those Disney kids, you know the type of people who, who, who have for years, 10 years, you all know them. They just kind of moved to Disney World and, and worked 
full time, but but front line and somehow made it and had fine lives. It's because they had rich parents. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's very funny, but I found out time and time again how much having rich parents would have been a benefit. Next go around, hopefully. That's my advice. That's how to survive working at Disney World. At least that's how to survive working at Disney World in 2013. So I leave Orlando, very traumatic. Didn't want to. Decided to go out with a bang so I will be remembered. You've all heard that story on TikTok. Decided to start my own theater company. Didn't work. Blew up. Didn't have enough money. Didn't even know what an LLC was. Didn't know what a nonprofit was. Also didn't help that when I was trying to start my own theater company, I thought the meaning of life was taking a shit ton of LSD, which I do not fault myself for because I have learned recently I have been on a self-medication hell train since like 2014 because I have not had access to the health care I have needed. And have been trying to escape a mental illness that got bigger and bigger and bigger with the means I had available. And the means I had available was not health care. It was, it was pot and acid. You know what I mean? Which at least numbed it for a little bit, I thought. But then, woof. Woof. We'll get into the big woof. I don't think I've ever told this story this way. So uh, things are imploding with the theater company. I decide I'm going to kill myself. I take some prescription drugs that are laying about, and I take an entire eyedropper of liquid LSD up my nose and uh, prepare to die. Uh, My girlfriend at the time luckily called 911 when she realized what was happening. The last thought I had before... My, I don't know what happened. I don't want to say my heart stopped. I don't know what happened. Uh, the last thought I had before I, I, in my mind, died was, oh, I understand Mulholland Drive now. Snap. And suddenly I'm floating above my body. Very cliche. I'm like nose to nose floating upwards with myself, getting farther away from myself. And I realized, like, oh, fuck, I died. Like, oh, I did it. <laughs> oh, Wow. Wow. So I'm kind of floating up. And uh, after I get out of the house and out of the stratosphere, out of the apartment building, rather, and out of the stratosphere, I find myself flying like Superman style above a giant, what looks like a microchip. And I thought to myself suddenly, huh, cities really do just look like big old microchips from above. And then suddenly I was in the presence of pure peace and pure light and pure calm and pure good and pure no obligations, pure nothingness in the most beautiful, beautiful, relaxing way. And I understood for a brief second something that I still can't grasp in application That maybe what we are individually are little, imagine a scrim, imagine a black scrim pulled across the stage 
We are only the cracks in the skim that let the light through. That's all we are as individuals. We're just that light shining through a different crack. And I went, oh shit. And then that light said, but you're going back now. And I went, no! Bump. And was uh, awoken to EMTs or cops, I forget which, doing chest compressions. So, I do the same cycle I got myself trapped in right now. I move home to my mom and my stepdads, which is hard because I know how I know how it's going to go. I know I'm not going to have access to health care, a car, a way to work. So I am going to be money. So I'm going to be trapped in a perpetual cycle. Right? And I was until my dad died, who I did not really know. He stopped really communications with me when I was like 12. And I was left with what I thought was a large sum of money at the time, but it's probably what you get, some of you fucks get from your trust fund every six months. And I thought, well, I'm never going to be poor again. And I moved to New York City and started my career and the pandemic happened and now I think we've closed the whole story. And I don't really know why I'm telling you this. I don't really know why I'm speaking it out loud. I said at the beginning of this, I've felt amazingly like I don't want to be here. And by here, I don't mean this house. The last couple of days, lots of time sitting in dark closets, trying to calm down our bathtubs. I don't, the reason I haven't wanted to talk to any of my friends, and the reason I'd rather just broadcast it, is because, no, I don't know anybody who has, who can, I don't know anybody who can relate to this. I don't know anybody who can't leave a, a house in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, if they want to. I don't know anybody this trapped besides people in jail. At least they get social time. At least they get to go out with their friends. I'm not comparing myself to being in prison. That would be shitty. But I was making a joke. You get it. It's making a joke. You get it. So what happens now? Another suitcase in another hole. Take your picture of another wall. <laughs> what happens now? I haven't been able to kill myself recently in the last few weeks, and it's the last, I guess, year, really. And it's pissed me off because it's felt unfair that I haven't been able able to release myself from what feel like bottomless chains because if I get money I'll still be mentally ill the, the, the hurdles feel so big the hurdles of collecting $10,000 to buy a car and a move on top of figuring out how to get a 
health care plan without sinking myself while still being able to pay rent and car. You, you know what I mean? America sucks. This is not a problem. Any other person in a, in a, in a Western world country has to think about just the Americans. At least when it comes to health care. Their hurdles feel way too big and they go on for way too long. And the first one's so big I can't even jump over it to get to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And on top of that, I've been in fight or flight for two years at least and I don't have the effort to fucking jump anymore. I've been in pure survival mode for every moment since March of 2020. My beard turned gray. I watched it happen. I wasn't able to enjoy my relationship or even contribute like I should because in my mind, it was already going to end one day. From the beginning, I was waiting for it to end because of something that my mental health fucked up. Which doesn't create the best conducive environment. You know? For a healthy, nice relationship. And I am both victim and bad guy in parts of this story. I'm... 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 I'm the villain in parts of this because I could not get a grip mentally. Which is why getting diagnosed recently really kind of sucked because it was like, oh, I could have just taken a pill for this if I had been a different person who could have afforded a pill for this. And I possibly wouldn't have blown up my life two or three times. Something so easy, yet still so unobtainable. It's so crazy how a year ago, $3,500 was not that much money to me. And now it seems like an insurmountable amount of money to acquire. It feels impossible. It frustrates me that sometimes I think the theater community is not worth fighting for. Sometimes I wonder why am I am I trying to advocate for this community? This community harbors its abusers. This community not only neglects its abused, but punishes its abused. Theater punishes those who are different in this country, which is revolting because theater should be a safe haven for those who are different. The freaks, the fuck-ups, the mentally ill. Theater should be 
a haven for those people. But theater has made those people pariahs. So that it can protect its shitty status quo abusers. And then, at those times when I wonder, why am I fighting for the theater community? I remember because I, I remember that I'm fighting because I'm one person who has experienced horrors. And there are hundreds of thousands of others who can't talk for whatever reason. I can barely talk about it. There are hundreds of thousands of others who can't talk about it. So I have to. It's my atonement. It's... It's... What I'm supposed to do. But it really sucks fighting for a community theater, fighting for a theater community that feels like it refuses to change and that I can't even begin to take part of because of the monetary hoops you have to jump through to experience or create theater in this country and those hoops are, are getting, I guess, for the hoop to be smaller to get through, it had to get smaller, but ticket sales are getting bigger. This wasn't a good acronym. This wasn't a good analogy, okay? <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting more and more expensive to see theater and make theater, and it was already expensive, so people are getting priced out. I have been priced out of having theater in my life. The only way theater is in my life is me bitching about it on this podcast and TikTok. Theater has priced me out. Something I love. It's, it's fucky. Even community. Th- I looked at a regional theater in Greenville that I wouldn't go to anyway because a lot of the governor's school fucks work there. $50 to go see your show. Are you out of your fucking mind? Theater's priced. Theater's priced out. Both the common man and now theater is pricing out people who have made theater their lives. It's hard I, to fight for it. It's hard to fight and yell about that. But if I don't, it doesn't seem like anybody else will because historically nobody else has. The New York Times article that should have come out five years ago was stopped because Broadway would rather protect those men who are all still fucking active on Broadway. Theater will give Ben Vereen awards and let him speak to children. Even though the theater elites know the abuse 
that person has committed. If I don't scream about it, I'm scared no one else will and there will be more people like me. And I do not want there to be more people like me in the world. I do not want people to feel how I feel because of what the theater has done to them. That's why I fight and I scream and I spit and I bite and I cry. Because I hope that it will heal and atone me for both my sins and my and my wounds that have come from this. You know, I know something's something always happens. Something always happens that rescues me. God, I hope it happens soon because I don't have many more days in me where I can go through this Moabit strip. I feel like there has not been a normal moment of my life since attending the Governor's School Summer Program, almost, I mean, it's like 15, almost 20 years ago. And I'm tired. I'm tired. I just want a car and to be able to pay my cell phone bill and a light rent while doing a job that doesn't make me want to blow my fucking brains out and while doing a job that is not making someone a billionaire while I remain poor and that is too much to ask sometimes in this country I Maybe, maybe it's shitty to do this. I don't care anymore. I, I am going to say what I want to say. I'm going to feel how I want to feel. I'm going to ask what I need to ask for. I, I, need, I need money. I need a car. I at least need a car. I'm kind of hoping that speaking this out loud will... Will manifest that somehow very open I will take any donation from five to five thousand dollars at PayPal or cash app I do not have Venmo Venmo goes into an ether uh, and that is connected to the main email for this juicy theater t at gmail.com theater with an re I don't think I don't think anything I've said is worthy of somebody sending me 5000 to $3,000 to buy a car. But fuck it. Sometimes you just got to speak it out loud. Sometimes you just got to speak all this out loud. I'm questioning myself right now, asking myself why I chose to record this today. A day that's been really mentally terrible. And it's 
probably because I know that there are other people in the theater who feel similar who have never heard circumstances like this talked about before. And I am hoping through me talking about it that can bring some kind of peace to another person who knows they aren't alone and I can feel some peace by proxy of knowing that my experiences in the theater do not make me alone. I love you guys. If you listen to this episode, I love you if you didn't listen to this episode, but if you listen to this episode, I uh, thank you for listening to me. I don't know if I've ever just tried to lay out my story before, but there it is. Hopefully it uh, brings some genus into into the sweaty oracle uh, mythos. And hopefully it bring some healing to either me or you. And I hope you have a absolutely wonderful rest of your day. This is Jonathan. Jonathan Lewis. Have you ever said my full name before on here? J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-L-E-W-I-S. And that's for if any of you governor school teacher fucks are wondering exactly who this is. That's who it is. This is Jonathan Lewis, the Sweaty Oracle, signing off. Until next time.